It is a wonderful privilege to worship with you, our great God, who is loving all of us. I want to thank you for the invitation again. It is uh, the privilege from my side to, to stand up here and preach. Unfortunately, my wife could not accompany me today. She was not feeling very well this morning. She had a kind of a dizziness and uh, she didn't want to risk uh, being a problem during our worship service. But she's sending her greetings. And we often talk about the community here in Hamel Hempstead. We visited you back in August and since that time we felt that you are the most loving community in the region. And uh, that was a kind of a, a plan because we are now just uh, moving and we were looking even houses here in Ham Hamel Hempstead and uh, it didn't work out although we we placed uh, an offer and then the landlord didn't come back he lives in switzerland somewhere and most probably is too busy to answer so we needed to go on and search for something else but at that moment we said that wow what what a nice privilege would be to belong then to this community this morning i would like us to concentrate on the word of god the reason for diligent faith. As we read the scripture reading from NIV, I would also like to have a look on how the New King James Version puts it, especially the, the, the first part of the scripture reading, what we had. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, I always think how gracious our God is, how he is giving everything what we need. But first of all, this everything is coming because he is multiplying his grace and peace in our lives. Have you ever considered a situation in your life when almost everything went well? There is a story that is recorded about Cecil de Mille, who used to be one of the great directors of films and movies. He actually received many, many awards uh, organizing and directing the Ten Commandments, the movie which has been very, very uh, well done and also famous. At one time, he wanted to put together an epic movie involving the Roman times and Roman soldiers. So he selected a wonderful scene in Italy. He went there with his crew and he hired about a thousand people to film that part, which was about 15 minutes of the movie. And just imagine that there were these thousand people coming six o'clock in the morning for rehearsal. 
and the director told them everything what to do and how to do it and they rehearsed it for four times that day because the director knew that around four o'clock in the afternoon the lights would be perfect for filming that scene for the movie and four o'clock came there were no clouds on the sky it was just the perfect time no wind whatsoever and then the Miller gave the sign to start and you could see 200 soldiers running uphill 200 soldiers coming down and they were doing a mock battle there and six cameras were were, were focusing on them and then others were slaves and Roman sentries they were driving those slaves to move a big big stone statue the principal actors they were having a conversation during this whole scene and the Miller was looking and he was well pleased and as soon as <clears throat> the whole scene came to an end he said cut and they cut he took his radio and he called his assistant and he said wow that was great wasn't it and the assistant called back saying yes sir I think it was just perfect and then the Miller took his radio and called the one who was in charge with the cameras and he said was it great how did you feel it and the guy with a short waiting time he said yes sir it was great and the Miller did you recorded it even longer pause we are ready sir when you say ready they haven't recorded it they had to hire those thousand men again the following weeks waiting for the perfect time again because they just missed to press that button and record that scene sometimes we feel that in our lives it can be something like that that um, although the circumstances would be great we still miss to press that button which makes it perfect Apostle Peter talks about the foundation of faith relationship and as you see in the scriptures his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness do you feel do you experience that God has actually given us everything are we missing something are we in want of something are we complaining at all you know when I meet some of our members after a couple of seconds many of them just go into complaints the interest rates are going to go up council tax is going to rise and we are talking always and always about the difficulties of life and sometimes we just do not concentrate on the fact that God actually has given us everything 
that we would live a godly life. Plus, he said, he has also gave us or has given us his precious promises that he is not going to leave us at all. So Britain can leave the EU any time, but the Lord is not going to leave Britain at all. The Lord is always going to be with us because his precious promise was that he is not going to depart from us at all. The Bible is full of it's a full utility kit for everything you need. Do we see the Bible like a utility kit? You know, the Bible is not a mascot. I know some people who are very superstitious. And I have some friends who actually bought a Bible and put the Bible into the glove box of their car. And they believe that that Bible is going to save them from any accident. You know what? Most probably it's not going to happen. Because the Bible cannot save us from accidents, especially if it's in a glove box, untouched and unread. A constant dialogue is needed with God. Through his word, he's sending us love messages every single morning, every single time we are opening the Bible, everything, every single time when we are listening or watching the Bible. Whoever uses any kind of gadgets, God bless you. The only thing is, you just need to take the message of God every single time you turn to. We can't neglect the Bible saying for it is God who works in you the will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 verses verse 13 just before this sentence Paul writes continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling so sometimes we have the feeling or we give the impression that salvation actually is the act of God in about 80% and another 20% would be our own part, our duty. But you know what? The Bible tells us that God works out his salvation in us. And salvation is 100% the act of God in us. I can't do nothing in order to stop God communicating this act of salvation to me. God created us. God redeemed us. God saved us. And he works his good in us because there is no good in me at all. He works out his salvation in us. And that's how he puts us to be his representatives all the time. The only part I'm playing is that I'm offering my heart to him. And I say, God, please, use my heart as a working space. And use your tools. And do whatever it takes to save me. You know, during Christmas time, 
I was listening to Classic FM, a classic radio here in Britain. And it was such a blessing to just listen to all the hymns and the carols which highlighted the first coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, from my childhood, I always liked classical music. And I always wanted to know a little bit more about the composers who composed those beautiful hymns. You know, like today we, we sang a hymn of of uh, Fanny Crosby. It is such a beautiful and meaningful hymn. And it come to learn something about Johann Sebastian Bach. You know that um, there are some professionals who are claiming that Bach's music is most probably the closest in terms of spirituality to the Bible, to the message of the Bible. And you can actually see how he has read through the Gospels and then composed those wonderful music. There was a famous composer who claimed that the greatest musician in human history was Johann Sebastian Bach. He was also a Christian. And one time someone approached him and said, Sir, what do you think? Whose music we are going to sing and play in heaven? And in an instant he answered and said, I truly believe that in heaven we are going to sing and play Mozart's music. And people got stunned and said, What, what happened? You know, did, did your tongue stumble and, and you wanted to say Bach, but you somehow said Mozart? So what about the music of Bach? And the composer smiled and said, that music is going to be played only in the holies of holy. So I believe that there is something special about the music of Bach. And I would like to show you what is this special thing. Bach believed in God. And before he composed a music, he took an empty sheet, he kneeled down, and he prayed for help. After he finished his prayer, he took his pen, and he wrote two letters on the sheet, on the music sheet. And these two letters, two J's, in Latin, Jesu Juva, Jesus help me. And then he started composing the music. And when he finished, interestingly enough, he wrote three letters, S, D, G, Soli Deo Gloria, which means only to God, be the praise. Most probably this is why his music became so special. You know, I wonder how would it be if we would start our days with these two letters. Every single morning we would say, Jesus, help me. Help me to be your representative. Help me to present you to people I'm going to meet today. And at the end of the day, before we go to sleep, 
we would say, Solid Deo Gloria. Thank you, Jesus. The glory, the praise goes to you only because you could use me in a certain way. Then Peter goes into the mathematics of faith and faith relationship. Look at this. The King James Version actually gives it back even more accurately, this verse, than any other translation. Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I don't know how much Peter loved mathematics, but the word he's using here in Greek sounds pletuno, and it means to multiply. And he shows multiplication here. And he says, in case you wondered where the blessings are coming to you, let me tell you that God's grace and God's peace are multiplied in your life. That's why you feel blessed. That's why we could actually have faith and believe in God, because he has multiplied his grace and peace in our lives already. Then, when Peter presents that God is doing the multiplication in our lives, God is not demanding us to do the same and to multiply. He says, you just need to do additions, simple additions to God's multiplication. And here is when Peter goes into the building of faith. It is like bodybuilding. Young men who have done ever bodybuilding, you know how much you need to put yourself there and how much you need to use every single muscle, muscle and most probably every single bit of energy in order to lift those weights. Peter says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. To strenuously give yourself. That is what Peter is saying here. And this strenuous is an athletic word. It is demanding and sweat producing. You know, as the Winter Olympics have just started, we, have, we, we will see how much they need to put effort into succeeding. And Peter says, put all effort into this. When Peter was catching fish and he needed to pull the net on the deck of his ship, he needed to use all his strength. And this is exactly what he is saying. You know, guys, you can't do this only 50%. You can't do this and then listening to something else. You need to concentrate 100% to put every effort into this. But before we go into the additions, what Peter is talking about here, let me just pose a little bit and ask a couple of questions. Is my walk with God all about emotions and feelings? Or is it driven by faith and the Word of God? What is the most attractive to me in God and in this church? When I have one of those days, 
And I don't feel the victory of my faith. I don't feel like going to church. What do I do? Do I stay home and say, okay, let me see on internet who is preaching Andrews University or anywhere in the world. Let me listen one of the sermons. I don't need this community. I can build my faith alone. Do I let my feelings hurt my faith and my participation in the community? You know, strong faith, according to the Bible, is based on the facts of God's word. The truth of our salvation that we are saved in Jesus Christ. The, tr the historic fact that Jesus Christ has died and also he rose again on the third day and we serve a living Savior and the understanding that he will come back again. So these are the truths which are actually keep us on our tiptoes. So what is Peter saying? Add to your faith, which is the result of the multiplication of grace and peace of God in your life. Now you need to add goodness to it. The word Peter is using is virtue, moral goodness, moral courage. Courage to always do the best in all given circumstances. That is what Peter talks about here. To show goodness even when the other person does not deserve it. And let me tell you, Peter has experienced this through Jesus Christ. There was one night when Peter was exposed and he had the opportunity to testify about Jesus Christ and instead he denied he ever knew Jesus three times. And look at Jesus. After his resurrection, he comes and meets Peter again. And look at the mathematics of Jesus. Jesus knew exactly how many times Peter denied him and now he's asking, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Jesus is asking, do you love me with the unconditional agape love? And Peter comes and says, Lord, you know that I love you with Peter's love. And he is using the word phileo, which is a friendly love. Lord Jesus, you know that I am not yet there as you loved me. I am down here at Peter's level. But I love you. And Jesus says, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to extend my love to you. So you go and tend my sheep. And Jesus comes back again saying, Peter, let me ask you a question. Do you love me with that unconditional love, that high level love? And Peter comes back, Lord, I just told you that I am Peter. I can't love you with that kind of love because that's a godly love. I can love you only with Peter's love. 
And Jesus looks at him and says, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to let you go out and tell my little children, the little lambs, how you can come to me. And for the third time, Jesus is asking, Peter, now let's be honest about the situation. Do you love me then with your Peter's love? And Peter bows his head and said, O oh Lord, you know me. You know me better than I know myself. And you know me that I can even fail loving you with Peter's love. But I testify today, I love you with what I am and what I have today. And Jesus says, that's enough for me. I can use you. Go and be a shepherd to my, to my flock. That is the goodness Peter is talking about saying, show some more grace, show some more love to people who do not deserve. You know, goodness in action. When Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, he had it in theory and he said, okay, now we need to make the first light bulb in history. His old team, team of men, were working for 24 hours to make that first light bulb. And when it was done, Thomas Addison looked around and he saw a young boy. He was a young man of 15, between 15 and 17 years old. He was a helper there. And then Edison said, I want you to carry the light bulb upstairs and we are going to try it, whether it works or not with electricity. And the boy felt honored. He took the light bulb and he was going up on the stairs. And you probably guessed it. He stumbled and he fell. And he broke the first light bulb ever made in human history. What do you think Thomas Edison did? Did he fire this young man? Did he send him home saying, You destroyed our work today? No, Thomas Edison called together again the team saying, Guys, an accident happened. We need to come together again and we need to make the second light bulb of history. Another 24 hours of hard labor and the bulb was ready. And now Thomas Edison looked around and spotted the same young man saying, Young man, I want you to carry the light bulb upstairs. Now let me tell you, I could guess how this young man felt. He felt even more honored, even more trusted, saying, Yes, sir. And now I'm going to try all my best not to fall, but to carry that light bulb upstairs. And he carried it, and that light bulb worked. And now it is still visible in a museum. Can you see that that trust Edison put in this young man paid off? Peter says, To your virtue, 
add knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. We are to continue growing in the knowledge of God and God's word and of ourselves. We shouldn't play smart. You know, sometimes I had the feeling that we are coming to church every Sabbath to acquire some ammunition. That when we talk to other people who do not yet believe in God as we believe, that we could actually mock them. And I have heard sometimes these kind of testimonies or witnesses. Okay, if you are a Christian, what is the right day of worship? So some people said, yeah, it's, it's Sunday. Ah, it's wrong. You haven't read your Bible. So we started ridiculing these people who were not at the same knowledge level as we were. And yes, we won that battle. But we lost that war. And those people never wanted to talk to us again. Because we have embarrassed them and we have ridiculed them. We need to be not only smart but humble with the knowledge what we have. But do we actually know the Bible? You know, biblical illiteracy is one of the biggest diseases which are spreading now in the whole world. People know less and less and less about God from the Bible. There are less and less people who read the Bible, who study the Bible, who want to understand the Bible. It's like that little boy who came to visit his grandmother and saw a big book covered with dust on one of the tables and asked the question, Grandma, whose book is this? Oh, Grandma wanted to be smart and she said, Oh, my little son, that's the book of God. And the little boy looked at grandma and said, we need to give it back to God because it's covered with dust no one is reading in this house. I don't know how your Bible looks like. I don't know whether your Bible is covered with dust even if you read an electronic Bible. But I know one thing. The Bible was not given to us in order to make us smart. It was given to us to change our lives. To our knowledge, we need to add self-control. What do you think this little boy is going to choose out of these two options? Let me tell you, most probably the boy is not going to apply the principles of new start. But this boy is going to go for what he likes more rather than what is healthier. We love to have knowledge. And we accumulate a lot of, lot of knowledge every single week. But when it is coming to self-control, we rather choose the remote control. And I have seen this so many times. We wait that the sun would set as soon as possible Saturday evening to press that button and to watch something on TV. What if you make a promise today to God saying, Lord, 
I want to consecrate to you my remote control. And I want to watch anything I watch on TV with you. And may you use that knowledge for your glory. We always have choices. But we need to learn how to make a wise decision every single time. Self-control. I was an intern involved in the planting of a new church back in Hungary. I didn't know much about ministry. I didn't know much about how to do it. So I was watching others and I was kind of making a very, very small contribution. And I remember one time we had an Australian evangelist coming. And imagine that every single evening we had more than 1,500 people listening to presentations. And we were kind of on the moon, you know, so happy saying that the Word of God is so interesting that it attracts so many people. And during that time, the translator, who was a lady, just looked at me and, and asked, Janos, would you drive me to the railway station where the, ra the train is coming and my husband is coming to visit us and I just would like to meet him at the station. And I said, of course, let's go. So I had my father's-in-law car. I didn't have a car at that time. And we just went to the railway station. And I parked the car because we were just on time. The train just came into the station. I didn't even look where I parked the car. So here it was Pastor Peter Zorka, who uh, was the president of Egypt Field for a while. He arrived, and they met, and they embraced each other and said, okay, let's go to the car. But when we approached the car, I found out that there was a problem. A railway worker stood next to the car of my father-in-law with a hammer of five kilos in his hand. And when he saw us coming, with words you cannot find in Hungarian dictionaries, he shouted at us. And I got the message that he's ready to destroy that car because I parked in a place which was not a parking. And I didn't know what to say, I didn't know what to do. So we are approaching this man who is shouting, and in order to make his message even more effective, he lifted this big hammer up, ready to destroy my father-in-law's car. And in my mind, there was the film, you know, that what would I say to my father-in-law after the car was destroyed? And Pastor Peter Zorko just stepped forward, looked at this man, and said, Good afternoon, sir. How can I help? And suddenly this man's face changed. He realized that he should have started like that. 
saying at least good afternoon rather than all sorts of curses and uh, bad language what he used he lowered his hammer down he looked at us and said next time don't park your car here please and I said wow this guy saved my life most probably self-control is so important that you keep your calm in all situations and you add perseverance to it Peter talks about enduring patience and perseverance and most probably it, it, it has something a meaning like voluntarily and continually endure difficulties and hardships for the sake of honor we cannot quit we need to persevere in the situation we are in. One time Albert Einstein was invited for a dinner. And one of the guests was sitting next to him. She was a young student, just finished A-levels and going to university. She didn't know who this white-haired guy was next to her and around the table she started a conversation and she looked at the man and said oh sir sorry I don't know you what are you doing for a living and Einstein looked at her and said I devoted my life to study physics and I am still studying physics at your age sir I finished mine you know I've just done my A-levels and that's done for my life and I am so stunned that you are still studying physics the great scientist didn't want to defend his decision and of course the lady found, found out later on that actually she was talking to the great physicist who was one of the greatest brains of the 20th century and most probably the human history but let me tell you continuing persevering in knowing God in finding out what his will is in our lives I think it's a good thing and add godliness to perseverance and that is reverence deep respect toward God it begins to take form in us only when we continue with him we serve him as a Lord growing through his word accepting the Spirit's correction and guidance all across the time to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love to all people that's the original what is this mutual affection you know as soon as I stepped into this building I was uh, met by Margaret and, and Eric and I felt already loved and I stood there you know for a while a couple of minutes we, we talked with Eric and I, I just asked myself what a nice thing is this you know coming into a community and feel feel loved from the first moment you come in 
I think that this brotherly love, this is the only thing which sets us apart from the rest of the world. If this would be missing, we would not be more than a club. You can have knowledge without love and kindness. You can have faith without it, perseverance and all the rest. But godliness makes love overflow from within us. And that is so important. You probably know the history of Princess Alice here in England. Why and how she died. Unfortunately, that time was a time when diphtheria just, you know, passed through this country and many, many children died. And one of her, ch her children was sick of this diphtheria. And this child just asked, Mommy, please, would you show your love to me? You haven't kissed me for a while. And Princess Alice, without even thinking for one second, went there and kissed her child. And that kiss was a deadly kiss. Because out of that, she also contracted diphtheria and she died. When it was announced in the, hum, announced in the House of Commons here in London, they said that many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. And that love was actually something which Princess Alice showed here. And finally, what are the fruits of this kind of life? The fruits of faith. Peter says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will have stability in your Christian life. You will have vitality in your Christian life. And you will have reality in your Christian life. That is the message of fruitfulness. What's the other alternative? Peter says, but, it, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Have we realized that God has multiplied his grace and peace in our lives? Have we added these things to the faith which was the result of God's act in our life? And Peter, without even stopping his pen, he goes on and writes this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Have you ever considered what kind of reception you are going to get from Jesus Christ? When he's coming on the sky, I don't think it's going to be a red carpet, but it's going to be the host of angels. It's going to be a fantastic scene. 
And as Jesus is leading us into the kingdom of God, we are all going to receive a crown, which we are going to wear for a couple of minutes or probably even less. You know why? Because as we enter into the throne room of God, and Jesus is presenting the family of God to our Father. And we look around and we gaze of the splendor and beauty of that place. We realize that eternity is physically starting just now for us. We look at the one whose hands are pierced is standing beside the Father and we realize that we can be there only because of Jesus Christ our Savior. And in that moment instinctly we just reach up and take that crown down to the feet of Jesus saying it's you Lord, it's you Lord because you have accomplished salvation in my life. What do I need to do for that? Peter says, strengthen your election, strengthen your calling. Say yes to Jesus. Offer yourself to Christ. It happened in Chicago, one of the coldest winters. There was a newsboy out selling newspapers, but there were very few people on the streets. He couldn't sell any that morning. And he went into a church. But there was a worship service and he went in just to warm himself a little bit up. As soon as he stepped in, the preacher just finished sermon and he had a call saying, and now we need to give ourselves and also our offerings to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm asking the deacons to come and collect the offerings. And the deacons came with these big offering plates. And the offering plates were passed on one to another people. And the boy was standing in the back. And someone passed the offering plate to him. He, he, he took the plate. And he looked at the preacher. And he felt embarrassed. And he said, Mr. Preacher, I am very sorry. I haven't sold one single newspaper this morning. So I do not have any money to give. But I have something else. And he put the plate down on the ground. And he stepped into the plate. And he said, This is what I can give to Jesus. Do you think? He's going to accept me. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how many plates do we need to distribute during this worship service. But the question is, would you step into an offering plate saying, Lord Jesus, today I'm offering myself to you. Use me for your glory. Amen. Amen.